Hebrews Bible Study, number 21, Brief Discursus on Mortal Sin, for lay leaders and deacons to conduct after the Sunday service or during a midweek Bible study session. Hear the word of our Lord from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think? will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This is one of the most misunderstood passages in Scripture. Its wording seems so unpleasant that most readers encountering it for the first time dump all exegetical principles out of their brains and simply try to move on as quickly as possible. We forget that this passage does not exist in a vacuum. We forget to interpret Scripture with Scripture. We forget the overarching messages and themes of the book of Hebrews and either swallow hard doctrine that is not there, or we end up pretending the passage does not exist to shield our soteriology from a perceived threat. But in this fourth exhortation, if we but take a moment to actually interpret the passage, we find the message the author gives to be rather encouraging. Let us take a look at verses 26 and 27 again. Or if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Introducing this pericope with four, we understand that this particular message expands on the messages of verses 19 through 25. The author began this exhortation with the desire that we should all draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Hebrews 10, verse 22. Yet in expanding this, he includes a warning. Those who go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, or sinning with a high hand knowing full well that their actions are wrong, cannot make sacrifice for their sins. Thus they only have fear, while in a state of impenitent sin. In context of the author speaking to a congregation full of Hebrew Christians, 
This is to say that they cannot go back to the Levitical priests in Jerusalem to assuage their guilt or cover over their sin. Having spent chapter after chapter detailing how the Mosaic system has been abrogated completely, this is sensible. One cannot go back to a replaced covenant for forgiveness. This also applies to Gentile ex-pagans as well, by the way, indeed any non-Christian religion, as they all involve some form of sacrifice. Pagans made sacrifices to their gods too, just as modern skeptics and atheists have shame parades and apology tours for their own, there is the Hasidic sin chicken sacrifice and so forth. All religions involve sacrifice in one way, shape, or form, but the true faith, Christianity, teaches that there has been one efficacious sacrifice for all time, Christ's atoning death on the cross. No one leaving the faith or sinning with a high hand can go anywhere else or to anyone else for forgiveness. Until he returns to Christ, he is slated for God's wrath. But the passage does not say there is no more forgiveness for such a one. The word for sacrifice there is thusia in Greek, meaning an offering or a sacrifice proper. It does not, as some have implied, say hilasterion, which is propitiation, a satisfaction of wrath. That has already happened with the atoning death of our Lord Christ, and it is not taken away as a free offer of forgiveness from anyone, provided they do not commit, say, the unforgivable sin, which again and again I must repeat, if you are worried that you have committed it, you have not committed it. But I digress. We must also note that the 27th verse presents a contrast to the full assurance of faith in verse 22. Those who are in a state of mortal sin are fearful. Though a sinner might do his best to pretend there are no consequences for his actions, he has put himself in a place of fear because he has received the knowledge of the truth, which includes God's wrath against sin. Taken with the command to walk in full assurance, this means that avoidance of sin plays into one's security of faith. These two verses, though, are not saying that the backslidden man, or anyone who sins at all, has no hope. Indeed, in this life there is no way that a Christian could be completely free from sin, per Romans chapter 7 verses 21 through 25 and 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. If Hebrews 10 verses 26 and 27 were saying that egregious sin damns people permanently, then no one is saved at all. This is an absurd idea, as, and we repeat ourselves, the author had just exhorted his audience to full assurance in the faith. 
those who advocate for a sinless state of perfection in this life, as the meaning behind this verse, demanding that we all reach it, they are absurdly claiming that the author of Hebrews wished to tarnish assurance in the faith right after asking that we seek it. Yet, while the holiness movement is incorrect in their interpretations of these verses, the doctrine of the preservation of the saints is also an error to avoid. The author of Hebrews would not be encouraging his audience to stay in the Christian faith if it were not possible for them to leave. He would not be telling them to avoid egregious mortal sin if this were not something believers could do. As with our discussion on Hebrews chapter 6, the author supports the doctrine of the preservation of the saints, not the perseverance thereof. The latter doctrine, believing that no believer can ever engage in apostasy proper, comes from the logical inference that predestination is so absolute that no individual who is elect may ever actually depart from the faith, at least not permanently, as otherwise they would not be elect. But even if that were true, one is still called to make his calling and election sure, meaning there is a way to make it unsure. And thus, we are still called to a healthy fear. Speaking of that, let us reread verses 28 through 30. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Summarizing these three verses is verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We have already established that there is still propitiation or forgiveness for those who leave the faith but return to it later on. That is, the backslidden rather than the apostate proper. However, this does not mean that such an individual is free from all consequences of their sins. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, the Lord says. The Lord will judge his people. Note that it says his people, not those outside. Yes, God damns those who do not belong to the faith upon their death, but he does not damn those who truly belong to him. Again, his people. Yet those who belong to him are still chastised. They are still disciplined for the sins they commit in this life. 
the author will delve into this topic in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, going over the chastisement that believers undergo. We will do more of a deep dive into that topic when we arrive at the chapter. For now, suffice it to say that our earthly life is purgatory, contra notions of a separate place after death that people go to for purification. For the sake of our souls and our sanctification, we undergo discipline and chastisement while here on earth like heating raw metal to clear away dross. Those who backslide, though there is mercy for them that remains, they can expect to undergo this discipline even further than those who never leave. Yet because they are back in the fold of God's people, they must be reassured that it happens precisely because God loves them and desires that they should be remade in Christ's image, involving first and foremost faith, which we will begin discussing next week. Amen and Amen.